listening, everybody? There we go. How many of you like to watch the Olympics? The Summer Olympics. Who likes the Winter Olympics better? Yeah, I don't have an example about that today. Sorry. <clears throat> I have an example about the Summer Olympics. In 2008, the Summer Olympics were held where? Anybody remember? Beijing, yes, very good. And we had, the Americans had this stacked, and I mean incredibly stacked, men's and women's 4 by 100 relay race. We, I mean, these were the best of the best of the best of ours in substantial time. Both of them were expected not only to win the gold medal, they were expected to w set the world records by at least a half a second or more. Incredible, incredible talent on these teams. And as you know, when you have a 4 by 100 relay, there is something that you carry with you all around the track, right? You've got something with you, and you come up to the next person on the team, and you got to hand off. And it's critical. It is, for those of you that are, I'm really excited about today's lesson, so I'm just going to walk around a lot. Um, and it is critical that the handoff go flawlessly. And this is what happened. Do you see the baton? That's not where the baton is supposed to be. The third leg, the handoff, the handoff. So here's the way the baton is supposed to happen, supposed to be passed. Adam, help me out for a second. <clears throat> You're the person that's going to catch the baton, okay? So we're running that way, and I'm behind you. Yeah, stop, right there. Adam's job is to do this. No, 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 no. You look straight ahead. There we go. His job is not to look at me. His job is to look where he is going. My job is to put the baton in his hand. And when he feels it in his hand, then he kicks it up into this whole other gear that we don't have, right? <laughs> You've seen the Olympic runners, and they go, they're running, and all of a sudden you're going, where'd that come from? Well, that, that's when he kicks it up into where that come from speed. Supposed to put that baton in his hand, and this is what happens for the women's. And everybody just goes, oh, my goodness. Now, this does not mean you lose. If you drop the baton, it does not mean you lose. What makes you lose is when you go back to get the baton, you see the look on her face? It's just, this is not celebratory, yay! This is, we have worked for years to do this. You lose when you get out of your lane to go and get the baton. Because there are still rules even when the baton gets dropped. So, the women drop the baton. And we go, that's okay. We still have the men. We still have the men. The four fastest individual runners we have ever put on the track for the 4x100. And the men set the record in the 4x100 for, for like 12 years because we had this guy named Carl Lewis. Anybody remember him? Who was, you know, nobody could catch him, right? And what happens with the men? We drop the baton again. Is the guy in the front doing what he's supposed to do? Yeah. Where's the baton? It's headed down. And it's this tragic, 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 and it continues to fall, and we're going to leave it right there because I want that picture in your mind as we go through today's lesson. Now, open your Bibles. We're in Joshua chapter 1. Help if I got that, wouldn't it? This is what happens when I walk around. We are in Joshua chapter 1. Now, we've been going through an overview back and forth of the Old Testament and the New Testament. We do five weeks in the Old Testament, five weeks in the New Testament. 
We've covered in the Old Testament the creation stories. We've covered the, uh, the flood. We've covered Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We've covered the fall. We've covered uh, getting into Egypt. We've covered getting out of Egypt. And every single word that we have studied in the Old Testament was written by one guy. And his name was? Moses. And in Joshua 1, verse 1, a massive shift in the Old Testament occurs. Somebody read the first few words. A little further than that. After the death of Moses. Now think about this. The man, like in the Old Testament, capital T, capital M, the man in the Old Testament has died. And there is grave danger of what is on the screen occurring in Israel right now. Because Moses has run with that baton for a long, long time. He ran away from the baton for a little while, and then God stuck it in his hand. Now, when the women, I had a, a YouTube clip that I was going to show you, but I couldn't get it to pull up. When the women's race was done, they had a lady named uh, Gay Devers. Anybody remember her? She was a, she was a racer, a uh, runner from a long time ago. She, she described the process of how this is supposed to work if the baton pass doesn't go well. If the baton pass doesn't go well, help me out here, Shanda. So you're the runner in front. So you're not, see, good. See, she's got it. Listen. <laughs> Man, she's awesome. If the baton pass, if I put the, try to put the baton in her hand and it doesn't go, do you know what I'm supposed to do? Grab her hand and put it in. And I, when I was reading and studying, thank you very much. You did a great job. When I was studying for this lesson, I couldn't help but picture what a beautiful imagery that is of what God did to Moses, right? Because Moses didn't want that baton. Because he had this conversation with God, and it was, here, my Lord, but Aaron's over there, and he'd be really good at this. Hand him the baton, my brother, right? And, but God said, no, you're, you're going to take this baton. He picked up his hand, and he put the baton in his hand. And Moses ran with that baton. So now we get to Joshua chapter 1, and Moses is dead. But the beautiful thing, if you've been paying attention to the Old Testament, is that all along, Moses has been preparing Joshua to handle the baton. He's been preparing. There's been this handoff that has been getting ready. Barry taught this phenomenal lesson last week. And he's teaching through, and he gets to this one verse in Exodus chapter 33, I think it was, and it talks about Moses going into the tabernacle and he's praying, and all of a sudden we see this obscure guy named Joshua, and Joshua's there also, and he hangs out at the tabernacle. And the text doesn't address anything else about Joshua. And you're just kind of left to think, what was that about? Why did we need to know that Joshua was there too? Because Joshua was Moses' assistant the whole time they wandered in the wilderness. Now, how long were they in the wilderness? Forty years. Who is the oldest Israelite to see the promised land before they entered in? Moses. Who were the next two oldest? Joshua and Caleb. That's my boy right there. Okay? I have a son named Caleb. And we named him Caleb because of the guy in the Bible, because he is a butt-kicking, awesome, warrior spirit, hopeful, we-can-go-do-this-thing kind of guy. And I love that. And because those two went out and spied out the land, 
right? They went and were spies in the promised land, came back and gave a good report. God said, you guys get to live longer than anybody else in this entire generation. So Joshua and Caleb are the two oldest people left alive after Moses dies. So it only makes sense that one of them would lead. But Joshua is the man. Let's look at the text, Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. Now, when I was a little kid, I heard this verse read, and I was like, the son of Nun? So God made him like he made Adam? That didn't make any sense. I thought that was funny, guys. Come on now. <laughs> Pouring my heart out up here, okay? So Joshua, the son of Nun. Now, one of the things that I want you to realize that we're on the front page of the handout. We'll fill in some blanks real quick. So Joshua was born in Egypt. Uh, and was about 40 years old at the time of the Exodus. He was about 40 years old at the time of the Exodus. And those of you that are doing are like math are going, he was 40 years old at Exodus, and they wandered in the wilderness how, how long? So how old was he when he took the baton? He was 80. And the Bible tells us that he was 110 when he died. Now listen to this, guys. He trained longer than he served. Now, that to me is quite profound because we go to school, and those of us that, uh, that go to, like, through high school, great, you went to high school, you got a high school degree, fantastic, that's awesome. And then some of us had to go further. We had to get an undergraduate degree. And some of you have gone to master's, and, and you've gotten a master's degree, and there's a few in here <clears throat> that are, like, really smart that I can't even touch a candle to. Mathematically, I would never point people out, right? I mean, it's just not going to happen in my class. I would never point somebody out. Not going to do that. They've gotten PhDs in things that I don't even understand. He tried to explain it to me one time. He spent like a minute and a half explaining what he does, and I'm, I got nothing. I got nothing. He's just that smart. But I guarantee you what happens is that we don't train longer than we work in the job that we trained for, right? That makes no sense whatsoever. That makes no sense. But that's what he did. He trained for 40 years to lead for 30. And he was cool with it. Never once do we have a record of Joshua complaining about anything. Which, hanging out in the desert, training for 40 years, uh, I'll lead the complaint department. <laughs> right? I mean, this is, this is shocking. So he's there 40 years. Uh, the second bullet there, he served as Moses' assistant. Uh, it's a weird Hebrew word. It means anything from, hey, go get me a cup of coffee, to, hey, go lead the army, to, um, I need you to pray for me, to, I need you to hold me up, to, I mean, it was just, it was the epitome of miscellaneous duties as assigned, right? You, you ever had a job with that? Yeah. Don't you hate that bottom line when it says miscellaneous duties? Because you have no idea what's coming. And your boss can dream up anything. Oh, and it gets fun sometimes. So. Joshua was, uh, he was with Moses on uh, Sinai when he got the Ten Commandments. He went at least halfway up. So he's seen all kinds of crazy stuff. He went to, went to the promised land. He and Caleb, that's the next blank, bring back a good report about the promised land. Uh, in Numbers 27 and Deuteronomy 31, God makes it very, very clear to Moses, this is the guy that you are handing the baton to. This is who we're passing this off to. He takes over at Moses' successor around the age of 80. So he trained for the job around 40 years. I'm going to give you a quick preview of the book of Joshua. So God has a conversation with him in Joshua chapter 1 and says, You can do this, and I will be with you every step of the way. 
God tells Joshua, everywhere you step, you will win. Can you imagine that? The God of the universe telling you, everywhere you go, you will win. Well, buddy, I'm standing up straight, and we're going to take big steps. <laughs> we're going to go do this thing, right? Now, he was a military genius. So in Joshua chapter 6, we start this process of occupying the land. And the land is all of the area where the, the 12 tribes of Israel will exist. Right now, they're on, the, um, they're on the east side. Is that right? Yep. They're on the east side of the Jordan. I've got to do this backwards so I can get it for you. They're on the east side of the Jordan. They're looking over into, onto the west side of the, the Jordan to the promised land. And God's telling them, everything you see is yours. Go get it. Now, the book of Joshua in the Old Testament is about occupying the land. The book of Judges and Chronicles and Kings and Samuel is about subjugating the land. Okay, so there's a difference between we are here and we are ruling over everything. Does that make sense? How many of you have seen the movie Red Dawn? Fantastic movie in the 80s about the Russians dropping in and invading, what was it, like Nevada or something? It was Colorado. It was Colorado, right? The Russians have invaded Colorado. And we're going, what? Yeah, it was the 80s. They made up all kinds of crazy stuff then, right? It was weird movie time. It was awesome. It had Patrick Swayze in it. You know, he's always the leader of this boy band, right? And, and they're invading, but they, they don't subjugate the land. They're not totally in charge of everything. And that's kind of the scenario when Joshua invades Canaan, is we're here, and we've staked the flag in the ground, but we don't we haven't really beaten everybody yet. That's for successive generations to do. So there's a difference there. <clears throat> so he beats Jericho in Joshua chapter 6, wins the battle of Ai in Joshua chapter 8, defeats seven kings in Joshua, six, or Joshua 9 through 10, and completed the whole conquest of the land by Joshua chapter 11. So quick summary. In six years, he defeated six nations and 31 kings. Now, how many of you watch uh, the History Channel? Have you ever seen the History Channel? You know, there's this channel with, they talk about old things, right? Okay. And they like to do these specials, Secrets of the Bible, you know, and just red flag, right? Just red flag. Be real careful about what you swallow whole because there's some bones in there. Be careful. You can choke on it. Um, but when you see them go through the different characters of the Bible, they talk about Joshua completely differently than everybody else because they cannot deny his military genius. He used the topography of Israel in brilliant ways. Generals today, as part of their schooling, still study the military techniques that he used in the book of Joshua. That's how good he was. It's still good information to know. It's incredible, absolutely incredible. So he, think about this, the Israelites were in Egypt for 420 years. Moses leads them out. They wander around in the desert for 40 all the time. God wants them in the promised land, and it takes Joshua six years to do it. 460 years after God told Abraham, there's a land that you're going to go inhabit. 460 years later, Joshua does it in six years. It's a bad dude, 
Okay? That's my theological opinion. Bad dude. All right? So, what else does he do? Well, what, what blows me away about Joshua, so he's, he's gone in and he's invaded the land, he's conquered the land in six years. Well, there's still 24 years left of his reign, so what does he do, right? Well, then he turns into Mr. Administration. It's incredible. He sets up all these tab- he sets up the tabernacle at Shiloh, sets up cities of refuge, sets up 48 cities for the Levites, and do you remember the last thing Moses does? What's the last thing Moses does in the book of Deuteronomy? You remember? He's standing on the banks of the Jordan, and he's looking over into the promised land, and what does he do to the children of Israel? He, he, he preaches a sermon, and he, it's, a, it's a hellfire and brimstone, buddy. It is, he stands up, and he says, Choose life, and your right hand is life, and your left hand is death. This is serving the Lord, because it is the only thing worth living for, I promise you. This is everything else. What are you going to do? Choose life life and he shouts it to them and Joshua remember he did not drop the baton he picked up the baton he ran with it well Joshua at the end of his life in Joshua 23 and 24 you know what he does he stands up in front of the children of Israel and he tells them choose you this day whom you will serve but as for me and my house and this is the thing that I never understood about Joshua when he gives this as for me and my house speech he's 110 and he's ready to die. And they've watched him for 110 years. Because the second they marched out of Egypt, Joshua was the commander of the military when they beat the Amalekites. So at 40, everybody already knew who Joshua was. He'd been serving faithfully for 70 years. And then he tells them, as for me and my house, and it's in the present tense, it says, we will, as if there's more to do. It's incredible. He does the exact same thing what he saw Moses do. I saw you do this. I'm going to go do this. And he preaches this sermon to him in Joshua 23 and 24. Now, so that's the whole story of Joshua. So today we're just going to look at this little bitty conversation that God has with him that stirs him up to go do all of this stuff. That was the introduction. You ready? Let's do this thing. Can you tell I'm excited about today? I am excited. This has been burning in my belly for weeks to get this out. Ugh. All right. So the last bullet is he dies after, at age of 110 after 30 years of leadership service. And the key thought is that Moses passed the baton to Joshua, and Joshua ran well. Right? He ran well. So let's look at Joshua 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses... It came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. And many times when God addresses someone for the first time, he will make an obscene, obscene, that's the wrong word. He will make an utterly obvious statement. Who, better than Joshua, knew that Moses was dead? Every day, Joshua got up, hey, Moses, what you need today? Every day for... 40 years. He knew Moses was dead. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. The first thing that God tells, Mo, t- tells Joshua to do is an imperative. Go do this. Arise. Get up and go over. Another imperative. This Jordan River, you and all this people. Now, the Bible talks about that there were 600,000 men at this point, which means there's probably a few million, your blank, a few million people 
that are this tribe of, we've been wandering around the desert for 40 years. And now we're going to go conquer all these different nations? Really? And we're going we're gonna to walk across what? We're going to walk across what, Chandelier? The Jordan River? You better believe we are. You know why? Because we already walked through the Red Sea. Because <laughs> my parents told me about that. Joshua and Caleb, they told me about that. Because none of this generation walked through the Red Sea. Right? They were all children. There were a few million. You and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every, this is, I love, this is a beautiful verse. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. This is in the perfect mood in Hebrew. If you're not a grammar student, I'm not a grammar student. The perfect mood means it's already done. I've already given it to you. Just go stand in it. Is that beautiful? And he's already done the work. God's already beat the, he's already beaten all the enemies that they need to beat. They just have to go, go fulfill it at this point. Verse 4. As I, I'm sorry, at the end of verse 3, as I said to Moses, verse 4, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river and the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, that's the Mediterranean, going down toward the, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. That is a bold statement, ladies and gentlemen. No man can stand before you. Um, Adam, come here for a second, buddy. Adam and I are in a small group together, and we meet on Saturday nights. And what do we watch, Adam? <laughs> UFC, right? MMA. We were sad. Evil triumph last night, yes. Good, good did not prevail. I'm sorry. Jesus will fix that in the end, too. All right. So, now most of you know that one of my goals when I wake up every single day is to make God look good, to honor my wife, and to not sweat. <clears throat> okay? That's kind of general framework. That's what I'm looking for. That was a good day. Adam's goal is to be a... Uh, faithful husband, right, make Jesus look good, and to sweat as much as he possibly can, doing as many different vigorous physical activities as possible, right? So, so was it last Sunday or the Sunday before you ran the half marathon before coming to church? The Sunday before. He ran a half marathon before coming to church. Yeah, no kidding, right? We, we ain't got no excuse whatsoever, okay? That's all I'm saying. I mean, I, it, that's just the way that works. And he took up the offering. Yeah, he served, too, okay? That was awesome, right? It's fantastic. Now, given the facts that I have shared with you so far, if we were to decide to get in, and we are not. This is not an illustrative thing, okay? This is for illustrative purposes only, okay? If we were going to get into a mixed martial art contest right now, who's putting money on me? Zeke, you're the man! You are delusional and need medical help immediately. But <laughs> who's putting money on Adam? Yeah, y'all y'all gonna put money on it. Right, I know better, right? <laughs> I've been a computer geek my whole life. I ain't going there, right? They we're not gonna do this. But here's what God told Joshua. No man can stand in front of you. Do you think that Joshua was the baddest physical warrior in the whole planet at that point? I really doubt it. I really doubt it. Right. But that's the thing, right? Is that not great commentary? Good job, man. That was awesome. He didn't have to. His God already was. 
He had already wiped out all the enemies. Joshua just had to go do it. What's that? You can sit down. Yes, thank you very much. All right. Every place the sole of your foot shall tread, I have already given you. No man shall be able to stand in front of you. I want to do like a Braveheart cry at this point. Let's go conquer something, right? It's awesome. It's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you. The Hebrew word means to let drop. You know, many times in the Old Testament, God talks about he is sustaining us. He is holding us in his hands. He's put us on his shoulder. He's not going to drop us. You ever dropped your kid when you're holding them, playing with them or something? You ever dropped your kid? Somebody, somebody be honest, right? Bud has, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we've, we've all done that, right? Yeah, we're, some of you are looking around like, I can't believe some of these people have dropped their kid. <laughs> it happens, okay? God made them rubbery for a reason. They've, they're all right, okay? That's just good stuff. But God's not going to drop Joshua, and it's a beautiful thing. I'm not going to drop you nor forsake you, which is to leave you or leave you behind. Verse 6, and this is kind of the famous verse in this chapter. Be strong. This is an imperative. It means to be strong, to prevail, to become strong, to be firm. If you're blank. <coughs> Joshua had a lot of work to do. He had a lot of work to do. And of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very, he adds another word here, because I kind of get the feeling that God has to say this several times to Joshua. I almost get the feeling like Joshua wasn't, he wasn't quite up for it yet. He needed a little bit of a pep talk, so God kind of kept repeating this same thing. Be strong and very courageous that you may observe. This is to keep guard, to watch, to ward, to protect, to save life. Because in this race up here on the screen, what's at stake? Pride, a little piece of gold, right? In this race, what's at stake? The nation of Israel. This is God's chosen people. And this word means to save life. See, Joshua was responsible. Because when you get that, those of you in leadership know, when you get that baton passed to you and you hold it, you're responsible. You're on the hook. Um, Steve Jobs used to tell a wonderful story to all of his new Apple executives. He would say, uh, at, at some point, at some point, you've crossed the Rubicon. Um, at some point, when I walk in in the morning and the trash can in my office is not empty, I, I look at the janitor and say, why did you not empty the trash can? And the janitor will say something like, well, the locks were changed on your door. I didn't, I didn't have a key. And Steve Jobs would say, and that's a perfectly acceptable answer from the janitor because he has no real authority. And he's talking to his executive. And he said, but at some point in your succession up through the company, reasons stop mattering. Results matter at your level. And, and here, reasons stop mattering. When you're leading the nation, it's about results. And the only result God wanted was obedience. Now, I get this. It was not Joshua's job to win the battle. It was Joshua's job to be obedient. This is totally and completely different. Who is accountable for the results? God is. That's his job. If he decides to fail, then he'll look bad. 
but he never had. You with me so far? You tracking? Check your heads if you are. Thank you. Okay, cool. Back to the text. That you may observe to do all, to do all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand nor to the left, that you may prosper. This is to look upon it, to have insight, to have insight. Do you think Joshua needed some advice at certain times throughout this process of taking a few hundred, taking a few hundred thousand men and going and conquering a land we've never been in before? Perhaps. I, I would like a little bit of insight here. Wherever you go, verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate. This word meditate is a strange word in the Hebrew. It means to roar, to growl. Did you see this coming? I didn't see this coming when I looked this up. To utter, to speak, to meditate, to devise, to muse, or to imagine. It's a very rich word. There's fewer words used in the Hebrew text of the, uh, the Bible than there are in the English text of the Bible. So they have broader ranges of meaning. You shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do all that is, in, that is written in it. For then you will make your way. Now, do you think the way was important to Joshua? God had just told him, you're going to conquer a whole series of nations and in, invade this land. The way is incredibly important to Joshua. Then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Because we read this verse today and we go, oh, my 401k will do great. My boss will like me. And Joshua went, we'll survive. Right? So let's put this in context here, just, just a little bit. Sometimes I wonder if the Old Testament saints aren't looking down going, that's not what I was thinking at that point right there. I was worried to death. And God kept telling me, be strong, be courageous. You can do this thing, right? Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Here it is again. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I love this. What's the first word in verse 10? Then. Joshua was not a man that waited around. Then. God finished. He just told him to go do something. Oh, well, let's go do it then. And Joshua begins a pattern of obedience that continues throughout the rest of the book of Joshua. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people. His first action is a command. I like this guy. I like this guy, saying, pass through the camp and command the people. So not only was his first action a command, his first executive order was for somebody else to command. Right? You, you kind of get the idea, we're going to be about doing stuff under the Joshua regime. Right? We're not going to be about talking about doing stuff. I better not go there. Um, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan. Now, Chandelier's going to talk next week about this whole idea of crossing over the Jordan. The Jordan is a what? It's a river. Rivers have what? Water. And really small rocks. What, and what did the Israelites not have? Boats. <laughs> They've been in the wilderness. There's not a lot of trees in the wilderness. Okay, they weren't boat makers. You didn't learn boating skills in Egypt under slavery. You built a lot of like pyramid-shaped things, right? Awesome lesson. You don't want to miss that. 
In three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And he goes through in this next paragraph, verses 12 through 15, and he talks about some of the specifics. And they, he, asked, he asked the people, what are you going to do? In verse 16, so they answered Joshua saying, all that you command us we will do and wherever you send us we will go. Just as we heeded Moses in all things, so will we heed you. Time out. TV time out. Rewind. How well did they heed Moses? <laughs> they got like a F minus on that job, right? I mean, they get an F and then they get an A and then they get an F and they get like a C and they get a D and then they get a B and then an F for a long period and then I mean, it was this. It was awful looking. My mind, Joshua's got to be going, I want a little higher standard of, of commitment out of you guys here. Verse 18, this is the people. They, they continue to talk. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words and all that you command them shall be put to death. Now this is critical for understanding the story of Achan in Ai a couple chapters later because it looks really awful when Achan is found stealing something and Joshua has him, his family, and his descendants all put to death. And you're going, where did that come from? They all took a vow saying this was the job that they were going to do. This was the standard. Okay, so they were all on the hook for this. And the last thing that people tell him is what? Only be strong and of good courage. One more time, we're just going to boost you up just a little bit. Now, in case you're wondering, if you want to know the end of the story for Joshua, Chandelier's going to fill in some of the middle next week. The end of the story for Joshua is Judges 2.7. It says, so the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. Because it's about results. It's about results. So... What was this lesson about today? Well, one, it was about me getting some of this out. It's been buried up in me for a while. But number one at the bottom, training can last years. God's okay with that. He's not in a hurry. He's really not. Number two, ministry must be transferred. So if you want a mantra for today, ministry must be transferred. Jesus taught 12 guys. And his, his success ratio was 11 out of 12, so you're not going to bat 1,000. Don't worry about it. He taught 12 guys, 11 of them, and that was it. He left. He left. And the whole concept is you teach, and you teach, and you teach, and you teach. And we've been doing this for 2,000 years, and it's only by the mercy of God we hadn't mucked the whole thing up at this point, right? Because what happens over time? Things get worse over time. Things don't get better over time. Ministry must be transferred. And number three, do the work, right? If you've got the baton in your hand, run with that bad boy. <laughs> do the work. So, so what do I do with that? Number one, train hard because the battle's going to be hard. There's going to be days where you've got the baton in your hand, you're going to go, I want to throw this thing at somebody, right? That, that happens. That's life. Life will hit you at some point. Number two, grab my baton. Some of you may be going, I got somebody that's trying to put the baton in my hand and my fist is closed and I'm huddled up in the fetal position in the corner. Get up, be strong, be courageous, grab the baton that God has got for you and then number three, run well. Because that's the job. Paul picks up this theme in the New Testament, right? Run the race that is set before you. It is a good race. It is a race not like any other race you will ever run in your life. There are highs in this race that are unbelievable, and the payoff at the end is to die for. Oh, Jesus did. Because it's all about Jesus. Amen? All right, we enter now into a time of prayer.
uh, at our tables. There's a spot, uh, there's a piece of paper there. It says Sunday School Weekly Update at the top. Enter your prayer requests on that sheet. Pray as a table if you would. We're going to stack the chairs in groups of seven up against this wall behind me. And you are dismissed. Thank you so much for coming out today, guys.